Phenom X 10.0. Dude. Uh, you Did you? Yeah. I feel like sometimes I get strapped <laughs> on a rocket to the moon and I think you're there with me. And then I notice that you're the one that lit the fuse. <laughs> did you read that <laughs> old book? Yeah, it's the last thing I read. Dude, I and just you know what? I just it retroactively gave everything else minus two. I just feel like <laughs> you know, there's some amount of responsible like we can we have the uh, this the trust and faith within each other to bail out of a book that we should definitely <laughs> clearly bail out of. And I I looked at the beginning of that book and I was like, well, this doesn't look very good. And I flipped through it because I was like, let's see how John Leguizamo writes. And then I read the final page and I thought, not well. And I that was that I read like four whole pages. Uh, so you liked it? Well, there's our joint buckshot right there. Yeah. <laughs> Intro. Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 248, the Pacific Northwest premiere pop culture podcast, where we were just talking about Leonard Cohen's final album right before we started recording. So we're in sort of a place. So um, we need to get out of this place. I'm Jeff, and I'm going to help sail the ship towards comics and away from the sad tale of Leonard Cohen. I'm Roman. I'm going to um, I'm going to keep an eye out for for those seagulls and stuff so that we know if we're going to die or if we're going to make it to shore. I'm Django and my soul misses you. Leonard Django Cohen. Mm. Hey, 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 guys, it's comics and we love them. Hey, we're a bunch of buddies who run a comic shop in Bellingham, Washington. We do it because we love it. And it's the only job that we've ever been able to find when we've been able to walk around with our bellies fully exposed and have people tap, tap your belly. Like a melon. Like tap your belly, belly like a melon out of support. And it's just a weird sort of watermelon factory kind of. It's just a bunch of buddies walking around tapping each other's bellies. And to that point, we got an email from Will Elmer. For this comic book podcast, happy episode 248. Yesterday marks the two-year anniversary of Disney Plus, which saw Disney and Marvel reveal roughly 248 new shows and characters on their way to the MCU. It was very exciting to see first glimpses. I know, I was like, what? First glimpses of characters like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel. Sadly, though, we also learned that industry legend Tom Hanks will not be making his MCU debut anytime soon as he revealed to the press that he has never been asked to be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he has hasn't give up, given up hope on receiving the call one of these days, though he is unsure what part he would play. So naturally, we have arrived at the box of chocolates that is my question of the week. Who would you want to see Tom Hanks portray in the MCU? My vote is for Galactus. Bonus questions. Who would you want him to play in the DCEU? Thanks for being awesome. P.S. X-Men 97. They're doing an X-Men animated series based on the X-Men 90s cartoon, and I can't wait for that but the tom hanks question is really juicy yeah, it it's is. really juicy so i think the galactus one is a really good is a really good one they've um, already cast luke cage right yeah so you can't have tom hanks uh, luke cage christmas um the first one that came to my mind was reed richards but he's such a good actor he could do all sorts of characters i'm sure but reed was the first one popped in yeah that's a good one 
<laughs> I don't know who about who at DC. I can't. Um, elongated yeah. man at DC. Yeah. Um. God. I. You know. I've got some good ones. What do you, <laughs> I what do you got? Mar- I think in Marvel. You know, it's probably Deadpool and mm. DC. You know, it's got to be Black Adam. <laughs> Either that or Miles Morales. Um. I, I think it would be really interesting to see him play a character that either whose face you never see or whose voice you never hear. So Claw and Inspector Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'm gonna flip this question around. Professor X. They're remaking in the, in the Hickman Inspect- helmet. Inspector Gadget. <laughs> They've cast Tom Hanks as Claw. Who do you cast as Inspector Gadget? It's 2022, Inspector Gadget. Who is your Inspector Gadget? My Inspector Gadget. Tom Hanks. He's playing both yeah, roles. He's both. He's got to be both. It, it could be Tom Hanks and uh, Benicio Del Toro. Wow. So are you excited about the X-Men 97 cartoon, Roman? Or is, did you watch that show back in the day? You know, I I did. I don't have any nostalgic attachment to the X-Men 90s cartoon. Because, yeah. I mean, God, I was in college, I guess. I tried watching it, but I wasn't into it. So hmm. I, the, the the redone one, I think it's, I think it's cool for everybody that you know, younger than me that grew up with it. But so I think it's cool that they're doing this new version, but okay. I, so we got I, a lot, we're I spitting a lot of hot takes here tonight <laughs> in, in the papcast. I'm it's, that was my introduction to the X-Men pretty much. I, I love them. I can't, I can't wait. I can't imagine that it's going to be as good or as exciting, but um, juggernaut. You know. I want Tom Hanks to play juggernaut. Oh my God. That is such a good answer. You win the round. Bing, Tom, bing, bing. I'm the juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm the juggernaut Wilson. That's my Tom Hanks accent. I want Tom Hanks to play Michael Caine playing the juggernaut. <laughs> hey, listen, we got to get down to brass tacks here, boys and girls. We're talking about some comic books this week. You're excited. We're excited. We're going to talk about the thing. Number one, what's the furthest place from here? Number one, Robin and Batman. Number one. Venom number one, out number two, and regarding the matter of Oswald's body, and if everything goes according to plan, we're going to be seeing young master Andrew Carlson for a visit to our continuity corner. Um, but, you know, also, it's hard to say if everything's going to work out. The internet's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right into it. And Roman Staller, this, if I'm not mistaken, your pick of the week, The Thing, written by a writer that I... Walter Mosley. Didn't with know. art by Tom Riley and uh, colors by Jordi Belair. What do you got, Roman? It, Roman? Yes, Roman. Sorry, I'm thinking about my one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies. What is it? <laughs> it's the not thing. a good. It's not a good movie. It's Dragnet. Oh. Him and him and Dan Aykroyd from the 80s. It's so yeah. It's so wait a minute. That's <laughs> it's so bad. But uh, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd they did a song "City of the Crime" for it where they do a spoken word rap in the middle of the song. And it's just awesome. Tom Hanks rapping is it's fantastic. So episode 248 is where we have no illusions about professionalism. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm my goal for the episode. <laughs> we haven't, wanna... we haven't ever. Why break a tradition? I, dude, I thought what's the furthest place from here was great. That's a different book. We're <laughs> talking on. about the thing. <laughs> what a revolt in development. No, you're revolt right. in development. 
um the thing i thought the art was really incredible in this i it was just an awesome book to be a part of it had a kind of a um david aja from hawkeye feel Mm -hmm. a little bit also um kind of a chris somni vibe like very shadowy flat colors but i really really liked the art in it and i like spending this much time with the thing because you don't it was a well done thing time it was i was worried about that because i'd actually forgotten that walter mosley Mosley was going to be doing this, and I've I've don't know if I've ever seen Tom Riley's artwork before, but I really liked it too. And I was worried because a lot of times the things one of those characters when he does get a mini series or something, sometimes they're great, sometimes they're awful. And this one's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great so far. We get some, we get an. I don't know if there's a new villain. It seems like a villain I've never seen before. This, uh, uh, oh yeah, it's the it's the kindred from Spider Man. It's the evil <laughs> monk from Temple of Doom, isn't it? Okay, all right. So we've got some crossover (laughs) villain stuff going on in this, but I really liked... Well, one thing that stood out about this issue to me, Roman, Mm -hmm. is that Alicia and Ben are not married in it. No, this is set sometime in the past. It's a Black Label book, right? Yeah, and it was jarring. (laughs) It was jarring because she like says they need to have time apart in this one, and I think that because in main continuity they're together, that made that hurt even more. Yeah, yeah. I, I... She didn't say it, but I just know Alicia was was thick and it's clobbering time and she clobbered him. Yeah, she hey, emotionally clobbered that guy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, Roman, that the the comic book character that I've heard you quote the most is the thing. Yeah. Mostly about developments and, and what time it is. <laughs> Revolting and clobbering, respectively. Ah, uh, my sweet Aunt Petunia. I don't know how you could think that. <laughs> okay, who's Walter Mosley, the, the writer? He's uh award-winning crime and thriller fiction novelist okay. and screenwriter devil in the blue dress is probably his most famous book oh, okay. and movie with denzel um, washington yeah yeah but he's also written for tv apparently i looked it up sometime today apparently he's written fallen angels which i think is a marvel related superhero yeah, show yeah that was like oh sorry the show huh so and here's he, my my question yeah. um in the beginning the the weird berobed man monster comes into this dude's room and the guy lives alone in a weird little kind of shitty apartment and he says you can't have her she's mine is is he really just trying to protect the one thing he owns which is the poster on the wall well Django, there's I missing something, something there's something going on with that woman because the woman that hits him up on the dating app later is the woman that was in that poster yeah. yeah. So there's some possession stuff. I mean, the whole time he's haunted okay. by some ghouly specter. We don't really know the story what's going on, but Ben is haunted in this. And it seems like that person is, I don't know, causes some sort of obsession or something. Cause the final page of this is some guy comes to beat up uh, Ben because he's talking to that girl. And, you know, so it seems like there's some obsession okay. type weird thing. Yeah. Going on. There's something supernatural about her. I th- I'm guessing, but I mean, any comic that gives me a a sort of double page silent shot of Ben walking across a wasteland and like the entire Marvel Universe dead in front of him and like Mm -hmm. Galactus and a celestial and eternity, like all collapsed dead on this. Oh, that was a really cool page. It almost had like touches of Greg Smallwood even to it. Uh, I I really like the art in there and the hook for it. And I hope that we see something like that happen. Something like that happen. Yeah. And I and I really like. You know, one of the classic things with Ben Grimm is him just looking kind of goofy sometimes. So the first time we see him in this, I like that he's just back from a fishing trip and, he, and he's wearing <laughs> bright red, like fishing 
waders and and he's got his pole and his little stocking cap <laughs> and a big net of fish i mean yeah it's just fun listen we're just finding our momentum here so i'm not sure if it sounds like we're not totally into this book but it was almost Django's book that he picked to talk about it and and i i i i loved it i, yeah, loved, I loved it, it too I, I mean it had all the classic thing elements you know he flies off a handle and gets jealous because he sees alicia walking down the street arm in arm with a, a guy an art dealer rapper affectionately like that. arm in arm i was a little jealous on his behalf yeah i'm not a super jealous dude but uh i would have been mad yeah oh yeah I, yeah i would have i would have i would have been you know on my uh, being a jerk too <laughs> i probably I always, wouldn't have been able to throw a car because i'm especially if i was smaller yeah. muscled made of stone hey you know what i always read the thing as roman so i i always <laughs> like while i'm reading it sometimes put roman in the positions of the thing while i was reading it just uh-huh. loves him so much and has mentioned identifying with him so i i that was a scene where i was picturing roman encountering that <laughs> happening old brown eyes himself old brown eyes himself i gave it a 9.5 is that crazy Thank you. you guys That's- no, no, I, I also gave it a 9.5. I mean, Hercules is in it. I love Marvel Hercules. And I didn't hate it. And I don't usually like when Hercules is in things. I like I'm seeing gonna... him and Ben together. Yeah. I would absolutely give the art a 9.5, mm-hmm. but I did, I had some problems with the pacing and the, the flow of the story. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it an 8 in the long run. Uh, I do. The art really is fantastic it's, it's I had, amazing I've, yeah ah. i've never seen this guy's art before and it's fantastic it's a fantastic yeah. floor thanks for it, there was some odd pacing there was a great scene with ben and reed too by the way and a great scene with alicia oh man there was just some great scenes yeah i wasn't sure about the it was a little more bizarre than i was expecting um like this little fairy bean thing that shows up but it's definitely definitely surprised me yeah and i do like the surreal aspects of it quite a bit well that's a pretty high score for a thing mini series well done walter mosley let's talk about one of the big buzz books of the week bbbs what's the furthest place from here tyler boss and matt rosenberg with otsmani alhau otsman alhau i'm sorry i'm bad hassan this is a big book this is like a a triple size book there, there were a number of the books we're talking about this week were either double or triple size books, which and is Phenom pretty cool. X, which we're not talking about this week, was also a triple size book that I read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of you for reading that big guy. You <laughs> know, <laughs> when you were young, that meant it was a value or whatever it is that you say when I complain about <laughs> word, books having too many words. Uh, so what's the furthest place from here? Uh, not the most unwieldy title that we've seen in recent months, but uh, a contender for sure up there is about a bunch of kids who I think are under 18 living in a record store after the end of the world. And they have one of their old buddies who is too old to still be hanging out with them. So over 18 shows up and um, he's, he's kind of like a trick by this rival gang so that they'll let him in. And then the rival gang can say that they broke a truce um for having somebody old in their in their area and uh we basically we spend all triple size first issue of this thing learning about who these characters are and getting kind of the the setup goes from like a super microcosm of the record store to the block that the record store is on to a much larger view of the neighborhood that the block is in and uh i 
I really like the way Tyler Boss draws. I really like I really like the colors in here. I think Matt Rosenberg has a has a really nice pace and uh, flow to this. Um, if I had one complaint, it would be that the the music that they're referencing feels a little uh, cute, precious, a little too charming, if you know what I mean. Wow, I read this issue when it came out on Tuesday night, and then I kind of re-skimmed it today, and I uh, benefited from your synopsis of the story, Django. Nice work. Oh, I listened to a podcast where he talked about what the plot was. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I so can, I, I, also, I understood it. I, I I finished it, and I was I you know I was trying to ask myself like. After walking away from it the first time, I was like, I like it a lot because there's a lot of style to it. It's it's um, I like their duo more than like a Kieran Gillen, Jamie McKelvey thing. But it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of it. Yeah. Um, like almost like style a little bit over substance sometimes. But mm-hmm. there's still a lot of substance here. And I really like the character work. But I did finish it. And I was like, well, I really like being a part of that. But I couldn't really tell you what happened for sure or kind of like mm-hmm. I, I got the meeting the characters but just um your pitch of like oh after the apocalypse living in a record store and then the age distinction with like somebody coming in like all that is implied and yeah. i you know picked up the seeds of that but it, i benefited from hearing you just so succinctly tell it so that that was beneficial that's why people listen to the papcast thanks everyone i'm just here for the fart jokes but <laughs> I do like I, the art is I just really like the way this guy draws. It, it's so good. It's in that same sort of style that we were just talking about that kind of Chris Somney, um, you know, not Darwin Cook, but just uh, chunky inks, kind of flat colors. I, I don't really a, a real kind of g- geometric awareness for things. There's like a yeah. really, yeah, I don't know, like right angles. Uh, perspectives vanishing points just really like their art yeah and uh, I, I didn't think the music stuff was too precious i i really liked the music stuff i loved like looking on the floor and like seeing the box of sad stuff and it's got joy divisions closer and all that sort of stuff what do you mean by too cute Django? uh i think that almost every record that's that is shown in any sort of positive or casual way is probably something that it seems like Matt Rosenberg loves or uh, was around when he was growing up and anything negative is like old people music. It it fits with the characters, but like this record store, it just, it has a lot of music from the same decade hanging out in it. Um, And I don't know. I didn't see any fucking Tom Waits in there. I didn't see nearly enough of the music I wanted, but also there's no Bob Dylan in there. Like, he, like he it's, it's just a, a very specific record store. At thought, least the stuff that's open. Yeah. I thought that was part of a little, the whole, cause the thing, it, it feels like a, I don't know, eighties um, dystopian low budget movie to me. Like the warriors or something. Yeah. yeah. Or streets of fire or something like that. Um, I was wondering when the one guy, and they're talking in the record store and the page after that big uh, interior shot of the store, he holds up a record. Is that a real band, a real album? Hall and Oates? No, no, no. The the next one, the SS something. Yeah, something. his his hand is covering. I don't know if it's Death Death Patrol. I don't know what it is. Uh, I I don't know it, but I assumed that it was real. Yeah, I'm sure it, was, it is. Yeah. yeah, I I really like it. I yeah, it's got its hooks in me. I'm excited to read more of it. I would give it a pretty high score. I was going to say a nine. I think I'd give it an 8.5 now kind of rethinking about it because I, I really, I really like, it and I really like these guys, but it, it was kind of confusing for me or hard to follow, but not that that's a complaint at all, but I, I, I really like it. I'm, 
I'm digging. I think everyone, if you have any proclivities toward music or kind of outsider things, kind of twin peaky things or whatnot, I, or I, would, like, I would check it out. If you ever lived in a punk house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that was crazy. The well, not crazy. It made a lot of sense at the time, but when Diamond stopped shipping and we spent those three months turning the comics place into a punk house for us to all hang out in, mm-hmm. and then have the comics come back out and need to kind of—I mean, I don't know if you've stayed in a punk house, but if you cleaned up a punk house, cleaned up so, a lot of vomit, a lot of patch, a lot of little cigarette burns. Yes, had to yes. put away so many '90s comics. Yes, so many '90s comics. Yeah, good lord. They soiled a whole corner. There was just yeah. a whole corner that was a soiling corner. There's there's no other word for it. It was soiled. It was a salt corner. Yeah. Salt. Soil. I'm gonna give it a nine. Um, I liked it a lot. And uh it's SSD control. Um, so f- the first oh S- SSD is the band. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that, that sounds familiar. SSD actually. What, what um, do you give it, Roman? I'll also give it an 8.5. I'm I'm really cu- very curious for it was a good world building issue, and I'm curious to find out more about this world and and especially about one of the main characters. Um, forget her name, but the girl that's pregnant. Because uh, at first I thought the rival gang was talking about her and the fact that she was pregnant met in other eyes she was an adult, so she had to be cast out. Mm-hmm. But no, because I forgot about the other guy who is who is like over 18 or something. So yeah, I'm curious to find out more about that. All the yeah. rules. There's something going on in in the world where like the very first scene is a guy spitting a tooth out because he's sick. Like there's yeah. something wrong with him. So like I guess we don't know we don't know where the grown-ups are or why people are sick. Yeah. Yeah. And you know I was wondering too is um are the names of the characters are those all references? Cuz like one of them's named one of them's named Alabama isn't that the name of uh oh what's her name in um True Romance or maybe mm. it's Natural born killers. I always get two ram- yeah, romance and natural born killers. True romance. Yeah. yeah. Mickey and, and names, Mallory are in the other one. Yeah. One's named Sid and one's named Proof Rock. I mean, that's such an unusual name. Yeah. I wonder if Sid and Sid and Nancy. Yeah. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. inter- that's, that's an interesting idea, Roman. Yeah. And slug. Um, well, moving right along, my friends, my family, uh, Robin and Batman. Interesting to see that as a title, not Batman and Robin, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Nguyen. I was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say suffering. I wouldn't say it was a negative thing, but there's a lot of Jeff Lemire that comes out. And particularly his Marvel and DC stuff has a tendency to make me less than incredibly excited when I am reading it. And I was a little bit apprehensive about this book. And I'd like Dustin Wynn's art. They just got off doing Descender and Ascender together. But at some point, it's it's always stayed wonderful. But it's it was amazing to me at the beginning. But then I just kind of got used to it. And I was like, eh. And it hasn't really done it for me in a number of years. Which, you know, outside of Black Hammer, you could maybe say about Jeff Lemire. So I was, yeah, a little bit apprehensive about this book. And I really, really enjoyed it. I think the art was fantastic in it. I really like a Robin-centric story. I really like a Dick Grayson-specifically-centered story. And I really liked that this showed Dick at a time where he's still, like, developing. And it's got a lot of, like, his insecurities and kind of the stuff about living in the shadow of this very grumpy man, uh, Batman. (laughs) And also just, like, the fallibility of both of them learning how to deal with each other and the whole, like, journal reading stuff. And... I just I, th- I thought the really great Jeff Lemire, like classically Jeff Lemire stuff of kind of damaged people trying to care for each other and fumbling their way f- through life. And to see that core of what makes Jeff Lemire things so good, you know, effectively wrapped up in a big two wrapping. Th- that's the thing that I feel like 
I've oftentimes been disappointed by not getting when he writes with Marvel or DC. So it was nice to, I feel like kind of him effectively be Jeff Lemire in a superhero universe with this book. And it's only three issues long. So I'm excited. I was a little, I I was thinking this was going to be, uh, you know, Dick Grayson's fictionalized version of his, his first adventures with Batman. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty disappointed because I was looking forward to that. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I, I, Oh, <laughs> I believed you. Um, that would have been fun. I'd like to see that. Book I would too. love that too. Yeah. But yeah, this was better than I was expecting. I was kind of worried about it too. And all the, all the father son stuff between them and, and some of Alfred's lines, they were yeah. great. I like this idea that, I mean, there's, it's not a black label book. So apparently this might be in continuity, who knows, but it did some different things with, you know, basically Robin year one kind of. Yeah. Good um, point. And, and now I'm looking for those exact points and I can't find them, but well, I know they're just, in here. <laughs> just like the idea that he's this, he has this much hesitance or nervousness about getting into even like the quote on the back of this book is I'm starting to worry that this isn't a fantasy at all but instead Mm. I found myself into a like way into a nightmare yeah and that's just we don't really see that much he's such a beacon of hope and light that it exists in opposition to Batman but he's got to have a lot of that dark stuff in in him as well and and just to have doubts like a kid ending up in this Batman world is like what have I gotten myself into it highlights how insane batman is for letting a 12 year old or 13 year old do this with him and then on top of that he has the misfortune of being written by jeff lemire so he's just going to be <laughs> super bumming all the time all yeah. the time oh here's one of the i think one of the biggest changes um in this spoilers people um dick because he's mad at batman for batman grounding him basically and maybe not maybe possibly not going to let him be robin he makes his own costume and makes it bright and colorful just to piss off batman <laughs> yeah and i and I really like that but that is new <laughs> yeah yeah do you guys think that uh it takes some of the teeth out of batman's gruffness when he shows him that he made a costume for him like oh i wasn't actually gonna ground you and keep you from being robin i made you a costume for a kid who's still growing well he <laughs> was gonna ground him he just didn't want him to come out for another week and then he disobeyed right, yeah. him and went out that week i don't know i really like those moments of batman like i like the tender batman trying yeah. to be tender and being bad at it having yeah. read about how to be a nice guy somewhere. yeah exactly i read a book <laughs> somewhere that you might like a new outfit yeah and Al- you know alfred told him off and i like little moments like that too showing that batman's not just a hard ass right he's got a very tender butt I really liked all yeah. the parts of this, um, but I, di- I didn't like the whole thing, like the, the assembled parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed every panel, but I didn't think that the panels worked well together for the most part. And uh, I liked I liked scenes of Robin or Batman and Robin, and uh, I, I didn't like the way that they kind of seemed together. I don't know. I, I, I was less just totally head over heels with this than I expected to be. One thing I really liked about the art in this is that it did have like, it was a generally darker palette for Dustin when then he is like, there's a lot of like unpainted backgrounds and a lot of his stuff, but we get time like in the sewers or just like shots of Gotham here where he's using a lot more like full colors, like actually really uh, coloring in the backgrounds. And that's something that I, it's very nice for me to see with his art because I have talked in the, podcast but i don't like unfinished backgrounds and panels Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i give this one 
a nine. We've talked about three books. One was an 8.5 for me. One was a nine. One was a 9.5. I did. Look, okay. Yes. Yeah, so high scores so far. What were your scores on this, boys? I'll give this uh, an eight. Solid eight. I give it. I also give it a nine. I it's interesting because I, I think Jeff and I were both worried going into it and we both right. liked it more than we thought we would. Django, you have the opposite, opposite mm-hmm. approach and conclusion. Um, I didn't read out number one, but out number two is out now. And this was Roman's next pick. What have we got here, Pickup Man? Gosh, this book, this might have been my, no, one of my favorite books of the week. Uh, The whole time reading this, and number one also, but especially issue number two, the whole time reading, I was like, God, I want to see this movie. Um, It's set in World War II. There's this beautiful, foreboding, like old castle on a cliffside that the Nazis are using, doing experiments in, but they also have um, American and British prisoners of war, military prisoners of war, um, uh, imprisoned in the inside the castle grounds. And uh, last issue, they did the classic thing, like the Great Escape or all sorts of different war movies where you meet some of the main British and American ca- prisoners. And one of them's um, an American soldier who's uh, indigenous American, and he's one of the code talkers and the Navajo. Um, and they also hint at the fact, or maybe they came right out and said it, and he's also homosexual. So, you know, he's got a couple othering things going on here. But there's also some kind of horrible, evil thing other than the Nazis. And it's they have a nasty, nasty ass vampire uh, imprisoned in the basically, in a, in not even a basement, a hole in the ground inside the, tr- the old church. Um, and in this issue, it's just it's just such great like cinematic setups where they they occasionally kill somebody and and dump it into the cavern in the floor of the church to feed this this awful vampire and it's a monstrous awful vampire it's not one of the cool romantic looking vampires <laughs> <laughs> and this whole thing i mean the visuals are great if you had it make a great movie with the right director right scriptwriter you've got you know prisoners they're working on a tunnel to try and get out of here and they've got all the little details like they've got um they put they've drilled up little air holes with tubes stuck up there so as they're tunneling they can still breathe and and there's a tunnel collapse there's the horrible vampire you know it's about to get out the nazis i get it out i get it (laughs) there's all sorts of meanings for the title yeah yeah, the vampire's going to get out. One of the Nazi commandants, he has a great respectful talk with the British leader of the POWs that that I don't want to reveal anything, but it gets it gets really tense and awesome. There's the there's the character that they asked to help him because he has all this tunneling experience. And he's just like, you know, the war is going to be over in, you know, three, four or five months, probably. Um, I'm just going to sit back and bide my time because I've escaped from other camps and been recaptured and and. There's always that character in these films that's always like, you know, I'm just going to kick back and wait and see things, how, how things play out, you know. Jango, you, you also, <laughs> did you, are you reading this? I read the first one and I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think it was just a heavy week this week and I didn't, didn't have the bandwidth for it. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of very big books this week. Triple <clears> size. <throat> Most of them were triple fucking sized. Roman, how's the yeah. art in out? It's pretty good. I mean, it's not. I'm not, I'm not thrilled with it, but it's not bad either. It's uh, Will Conrad, I think, is the artist. Mm-hmm. And there's some great long shots, like establishing shots, like the title page. It's a two-page spread with the the castle, and it's literally on this cliff and 
I don't know where, but the snowy cliff and the clouds and it's beautiful. Snowy Something cliff. about the first issue reminded me of Diodato a little bit. Mm. Yeah, a little bit of Diodato. I can see that. Yeah, it might be the colors, which is a weird thing to say about a guy who doesn't do his own colors, but but yeah. there's a flatness, shadowy flatness to his stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the lines aren't quite as sharp on you know people's faces and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, what's your score for it, Big Daddy? Um, I gave it a nine point five. Wow. Dang. Wow. Yeah. I really want to see this movie. Get the guy. Well, he's dead now, but the, did the Great Escape to do it? You know that kind of mm. film. Jack Carroll horror bent. I don't think he did very many movies. I think he did Nosferatu though. Oh, the old German. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's why you hadn't heard of that one. Django, I think you're going to not surprise anybody when you tell us what your next pick, pick, book, pick, pick. My next pick, book, pick, pick, week, week, book, pick was uh, Venom, number one by Ewing, Rom V, Brian Hitch. Uh, it's such a crazy pairing of artist and writer. It's so weird, man. The, right. Uh, you're like uh, Al Ewing. I'm like Roman. R- Rom V, I'm Roman. Brian Hitch. Oh. <laughs> No one, <laughs> no one, no, at least no one on this podcast. Uh, Andrew Curry on inks and Alex Sinclair on colors. Um, I didn't read, I, I checked in periodically with the Donny Cates Venom, saving it all um, up for a dark week. I get it, you know, yep. you need your yep. Venom. Um, and so I was glad that they had kind of a synopsis here to tell us what happened. Uh, after the events of The King in Black, apparently. Uh, Eddie Brock's son, Dylan, is left on Earth to go to school while Eddie checks into a hotel and every once in a while, like, casts his mind out into space to help four other symbiotes that he's sent out into space to help people recover from the events of uh, The King in Black and Knoll's Garbage Town. Um, and he's he's got a, he's got cute names for his four buddies. It's the Beatles. Um, Spoilers. It's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. It is the Beatles. Um, I was thinking, because the first one he references by name is Paul. And I was thinking, is he also making fun of the really boring names of the people in Dune? But it turns out it was a Beatles reference. That was topical, dude. Thanks, bro. That was really good and really topical. Yeah, it's it. That joke works as well today as it did like 65 years ago when the book first came out. Dude, I stand in awe of you buddy i feel sometimes <laughs> like i'm at the sermon on the mount you know like hands up on fire for christ you are topical and silly do you think that it's mandatory visual shorthand for any middle-aged man who just found out he's a dad to sprout a beard in it's the marvel be. universe it's, it's like a law be. right the the art in this is is you know brian hitch so it's kind of rough and the character designs are kind of rough what I it's smooth where it should be sharp and it's sharp where it should be smooth and shadowy where I would like some light. Um, it's it's an interesting book. It's interesting. I'm curious Roman's thoughts on it, because I think the most interesting part to me is this idea that Eddie is now all symbiotes. He can be like any symbiote and there's an mm-hmm. infinite number of symbiotes. So he can kind of transfer his consciousness around from all of those. And they're on all these different places. And so he's kind of dealing with some time and space displacement things. And then he starts to wonder if I can be any place. Can I be any time? Like the, you know, the symbiotes are all kind of connected. Unstuck in time. So he tries to unstick himself in time. And there's some weird, 
And I think that they really, I really liked the way they visually portrayed falling through time. Like he was falling mm-hmm. and the backgrounds were like blurry, but getting clearer. And they were moments that were going to be several pages from then. It was like some pretty interesting experimental stuff with the way to portray things. My point with that long-winded thing is the last third of this dealing with that stuff felt almost more like Doctor Who type things to me. And it felt like mm-hmm. that was kind of some of the Al Ewing and Rom V ideas coming through there. They felt less venom and more kind of science fiction story to me. And that's what I dug because this, you know, even the Donnie Cates run, not necessarily my venom, the kind of venom I love reading about. I like more bad guy venom, really cool nineties venom. And this is this kind of like <laughs> anti-hero good guy, dad story where he's the symbiotes are kind of neutered. But anyway, Roman, what did you think of that? Like, or yeah, like, I, I, I really like that too. And yeah, it's uh we see a, as he's falling through time, we see a glimpse of um, Kang who refers to Eddie as his oldest friend. And it's like, Oh, so at some point they're going to become buddies. But I, I liked all that, but, and Django said it already that unstuck in time. So basically he's doing a Billy Pilgrim um, riff here. Um, but I do also prefer Venom to be, a psychopathic villain <laughs> yeah it's so um, and we just keep putting venom in space too but yeah. we didn't we haven't seen venom really except the part where he kills a bunch of people yeah i just mean venom the symbiotes in general as a whole yeah, yeah and, and, and eddie and eddie brock i mean he's i mean yeah i, I didn't read donnie kate's run so apparently eddie brock has matured and grown and you know and that's that's all fine. I'll he really wishes this. he wasn't a serial killer back yeah, in and, the olden days. Yeah, and you know, Carnage is still out there, so we still have a psychopathic symbiote. Um, I don't know if I really care about Eddie's kid yet, who is I don't now, know who's now ve- Venom proper on Earth, while mm-hmm. Eddie's the god of the symbiotes, basically. A sullen Venom. Yeah, they did a uh, lot but, of mythologizing with the symbiotes and stuff over the last like six years, and that's yeah. cool. But I, I do prefer. I, I don't really love the directions that it's gone. But we introduced this character named Meridius, the gardener, uh, at the end of this, and that's kind of cool because Eddie dies, and it looks like he's kind of being reborn because you know we don't really yeah. know yet. But yeah, I like the Kang illusions. I like this idea of him traveling through time or or kind of experimenting with the the boundaries of time and it, it starts to get confusing i had to when i finished it i had to go reassess the flow of the issue because like there's some kind of jumping mm-hmm. around stuff that happens and i i like that they're kind of experimenting with how confusing time travel can be in a two-dimensional thing only thing i didn't like in that regard jumping around is and i don't like this trend in general in comics because they borrowed it from the you know the marvel movies you get the reveal of the the new villain at the end and to be continued and there's a letters page and then there's a next issue page and then there's one more page of story. It's like oh, I didn't God. even know that there was a page of story. Now I'm yeah. I was, I was gonna say, readers, if you haven't read this yet, keep go- be sure you read everything. There's one more page right before the back cover, <laughs> starring the character that uh, I'm positive will be played by Tom Hanks in the upcoming film. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You can see it. You can see it in his face. Meridius yeah. the Gardener. Yeah, but I don't like these after credits scenes now. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very stupid. Make yeah, uh, good capture. I mean, well, I appreciate that because it's an important page. It surprised I, me because I just happened to fall. It fell open after I put it down. I was like, oh, there's another page of story here. Read me. I'm also read curious who this. Me. I'm also curious who this uh, talking cat is. It a symbiote that hangs out with Eddie's son is because I don't know anything about that. Yeah, it's been around. It's since that Venom, the first host miniseries. Oh. Um, since about know. the time that people thought it was really cool that um, Captain Marvel had a cat. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. I think cats are cool. I, gosh, I like the writing and story of this much more than the art. And I want to give it an eight, but I also kind of want to give it a 7.5 because I don't like Brian Hitch's art. But I don't, I think it's still an enjoyable story and it doesn't hold it back that much. So I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Too many round things. It should be sharp. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave it an eight. I used to be more of a Brian Hitch fan than I am now. He's okay now, but I, I think was, he used to draw better or he, in a he, way that I like more. He did. Didn't he do justice league with uh, Grant Morrison? Yeah. And he did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, Howard Porter did a ton of that. Howard Porter. That's sorry. But he did like the ultimates with Mark Miller and yeah. some fantastic four with Mark Miller. Ex Machina was spectacular. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tony Harris. Oh fuck. Wait, yeah, Tony oh, Harris. I never liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, know it's just I'm burst in bubbles about people yeah. caring about Brian Hitt. Oh, and I no. guess I, I know nope. I know some never some, gave a shit. Some point around 15, 20 years ago, I was a Brian Hitch fan. Yeah, like 20 years ago, he was it was very cool. He think he did kind of create widescreen storytelling, like really sort of yeah. cinematic, large, big. Maybe he did some of those and... giant tabloid size like Justice League books. Maybe, yeah. Something maybe. like that. Um, by all means, listen to us try and think about that stuff. <laughs> about whether we're justified in thinking an artist is not somebody we like. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jeff? Yeah. What do you, are you, did you, when when you were, have you ever, was there ever a time when you, there's a movie JFK. Yes. Okay. Did you I've, watch I've it? Of, no. Did you love it? Did you go to the movie theater like nine times to see it over and over and over? I think it was a two VHS tape box set, you know, a la Titanic. Yeah, Yeah. it was. Um, I love that movie. I bet. And you love Val Kilmer. uh, I'm a a Kilmerman. Yep. Um, I'm a big fan of when Dances with Wolves says the the words back and to the left. Yep. And I use that when I give people directions as often as I can. Yep. Um, And... uh, because of that movie, I think I think that that movie probably is the thing that sent me down like a serial killer path. Oh, I know you. I, I know about your serial killer path. I love old like books about serial killers. And I think that I discovered one because it had Oswald on the cover, which doesn't make any fucking sense at all because he wasn't really a serial killer. But is this you get, bring me to where this is going? Do you read Regarding the Matter of Oswald's Body Number One by Christopher I, Cantwell, Castle Anguida and Marchiso? I did at Luca Castellanguida, the artist from Lost Soldier that just came to me. I knew I knew the name, but I couldn't think about it until this moment. I did read this new boom book. It comes out kind of hot on the heels of Department of Truth and conspiracy theory things. Yep. And uh, yep. it's this is sort of a gathering the team issue. We start and end the issue with a document kind of about doppelgangers or ghosts or bodies that appear around the time of the death of other people. And gosh, I I want to know what your guys' thoughts were. I was interested in the hook of it, but it was an entire issue of gathering the team. And mm-hmm. I think I needed a little bit more... Uh, desire for a team to be assembled before I spent this much time assembling a team. But I'm curious what you guys thought pacing wise of one of because it felt I, to me like it might be a little bit more up the two of your yours alleys. And I, 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 I liked it, but it, it left something to be desired. And I'm curious if that was your experience as well. Um, you two strong men. I, I, I could get behind that. Um, I think it would have been nice to get a little more of the why rather than the how at this point. 
Um, and really it takes until the last page before we find out that they want a doppelganger for Oswald's body. I don't for sure get it. Roman, you tell yeah. us. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's it. And I thought there was something, I guess maybe that first text page talking about doppelgangers and stuff, there was something in that and then somewhere else that kind of clued me in that that's where this was headed. Like they're trying to create a doppelganger for him? Well, no, they get this team together and one and one or two of the members of the team are supposed to find somebody that looks enough like Oswald that they can, you know, make him the patsy and, and probably save Oswald's life or something. Yeah, because it's set right after Oswald's arrested, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's 81. It, well, I didn't check the... Uh... It's also 1963. So yeah. when when the when the team starts getting gathered, it's oh happening my November eighth, nineteen sixty three. That is a tiny text. Such a tiny text time frame change. That and is not so at the top shitty. of a page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, because I even googled on my phone like what year did he die? Like after mm-hmm. and okay, so this all makes a different amount of sense now. Yeah, okay. and, and as as they're gathered, I I kind of loved it because as we see like the the guy who tries robs the bank of the small time thief here when he turns when he gets back to his apartment turns on the radio what he's just flipping state turning the dial going through stations and one of the things you hear briefly is uh some dj talking about how kennedy flew from fort worth to dallas which is a waste of taxpayer money and blah 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 so so it's right before kennedy gets there so it's like a day before he gets shot or something okay that's that's awesome i appreciate again that insight from the two of you because i yeah, I thought all of this was happening after he died and around the time he was being like they exhumed the body there. And so I was just I couldn't understand the why. Why do you need a why do you why need a doppelganger 30, 22 years after or whatever? Yeah, or yeah. 17 yeah, anyway, years so. after. So, yeah, so they're assembling the team on November 8th. Kennedy was killed on November 22nd. Oh. So these and and one of the characters, one of the people who's in the background of the meeting that they're having when they finally get the team together and they're telling them what they want. Um one of the people is Jack Ruby who is the guy that ends yeah. up shooting oswald as he leaves the jail okay yeah um i thought that artist good did a good job too of capturing ruby's likeness especially because i think he was dressed that same way yeah when, when he shot oswald wearing the hat and everything <laughs> hat in the suit yeah and i'm sure um lou the cop behind him i'll bet that he's got you know i'll bet he was at the book depository or whatever yeah um yeah it, it's it's got me curious enough um as a as a big JFK Oswald whodunit fan, uh, I'm I'm pretty curious about this. I, anytime there's even a small um, like Easter egg having to do with the JFK assassination in a movie, like in The Watchmen, you find out that the comedian killed JFK from the grassy knoll. I love that shit. It, yeah. it just it it's a big a big piece of the puzzle for me to see a conspiracy theory fit into the fiction I'm reading. Yeah, that's that's fun. And I like these characters. I mean, I like the the guy, try, the young guy trying to be a rock and roller and, and apparently he doesn't play very good. And yeah, he's in the wrong type of bar to be trying to start his thing. I, I like the I like the guy gathering them all because he just because he knows so much about each of these people and the way his dialogue like the way he confronts the one guy that couldn't get in the fbi and he's a great marksman and it turns out he couldn't get in because he's gay and this guy somehow knows that 
because of he course everything 63 he's closeted it, it's cool i like this is another one that you know these are some great movie beats um gathering the team like this and they're all interesting team members i'm very curious about where this is headed i had an eight written down and then i changed it to a seven and i'm gonna go back up to an eight because it all makes a lot more sense now this is the second time in the last like month and a half where my lack of awareness about historical events in the 60s caused me to be very confused the other time was like in (laughs) primordial number one where oh yeah it clearly identified we were in an alternate history but i didn't realize that how are you with the 50s not good with any of it all right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give this a seven and a half. I think I need another issue before I can give it an eight or maybe even a nine. I don't know. I, I do like me some Cantwell. I'll tell you yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main reason I read this because uh, Christopher Cantwell did it. Um, I gave it an eight point five. Nice. And you mentioned movie beats, Roman. He's uh, he's also a script writer. He writes TV shows. Can't, oh, Cantwell is. Yeah. Wow. Just like Walter Mosley. Halt. Catch fire. Catch fire. Hmm. Computer wow. joke. All right, listen, we didn't know for certain who was going to happen, but it, it appeared the wonderful, the one and only Andrew Carlson for one of our favorite segments that we haven't done in quite a long time. Andrew Carlson's Carlson Continuity Corner. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing more than just editing right now. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to game show it up. Yeah, game showing it up. Django. Roman, have you met my uh, sales associate, Andrew Carlson? Andrew Carlson, I think I've seen you. Uh, I think I've seen you in the shop before. Um, did, are you the one that did like a really hard sell on me for My Little Pony, or was that somebody else? <laughs> um, no, I think it was the um, my massive horse that I was trying oh, to sell you. Oh, <laughs> you love that book, that my massive horse, an Andrew Carlson classic. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, no, I think it was that Elmer guy that was trying to sell you, (laughs) hard sell you on my little Oh, no. Elmer's all about um, Dick Fight Island. Oh, yeah. Me too. That's well well known. We're still just waiting on that volume number two to come in so that we can uh, do a podcast about that. DFI. Well, Roman and Django, do you remember the rules to this? Andrew, you want to spit the rules at everybody for us? Yeah. So I am going to be listing off a series of a few books from the past that these guys have given scores to and going to ask them to guess what they think that their score was when they gave their score. Um, And then whoever has the absolute value um, difference, the lowest amount um, after those books will be the winner. What do we win? Jeffrey, tell them what they win. This week, the winner will get to have a bowl of sorbet placed on their watermelon bellies that we would have been spending the workday padding. That will make more sense when you're editing this later, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I'm yes. just going with I just always a, go with it. A you bowl know? of sorbet for your watermelon belly. I like mm. to call my watermelon belly my thumper. What do you he call yours? My tub thumper. Tub thumper. <laughs> but is it watermelon chocolate chip sorbet? No. We're getting off track. We're (laughs) off track. Thank you, Andrew. You're a great sales associate. Let's kick (laughs) this thing off. So we're going to start with Hellboy Krampusnot, number one. It was a Hellboy Christmas special from like 2017, 2018, I think. Was this the one by uh, with uh, Adam Hughes? Adam Hughes art? Correct. Uh, I remember where and when we recorded this. I think we recorded this at Jay's house on New Year's for our New Year's episode. Was I in a good mood or a bad mood? I These think are mo- mostly from like episode 40 to 60, I would okay. say. Maybe a little bit past 60, um, but they're 
more recent than the first few batches that I was given. <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, God, I think I'm going to say 10. Uh, I think I probably gave that a nine. I remember really liking the art. Yeah. Um, I'm going to s- I don't remember anything about this or where we were or when we recorded it. So I'm going to say <laughs> eight. I bet you're going to get it. So Roman was spot on. It was yeah, gave it an eight. Jesus, uh, Roman's a living hemorrhoid. <laughs> all three of you had given it an eight. So Jeff, oh, you were too, too I high. Think I just remember this story in my life. I just remember really, <laughs> really liking the art. I th- and I think I remember. You must have uh, really, really hated the story. <laughs> not all of it can hit. Not all of it can hit. That was a crazy sound that just happened. Okay. All right. So I'm not off to a great start. I have an absolute value of two, which I'm sure puts me in last place. And Roman has an absolute value of zero, which is in line for that gorgeous man. I've got a whole calculator. No need to track. track Okay. I'm tracking my (laughs) own numbers anyway. I'm going to, I mean, go ahead. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to try to gaslight your, your spreadsheet. Don't (laughs) gaslight anybody's spreadsheet. Generation gone. Number five. Um, so the finale of uh, Alish Cott, Andre Lima. Oh, God, I had to like think hard about what that generation yeah. gone. What is that? Yeah, no, the Alish Cott mm. uh, superheroes for millennials was what it was billed as. It's part of the AVX Marvel crossover, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess nine. number five. Number five. Number nine. nine. Yeah, was the last of the series. And you're asking for what we gave the book or the series? The last issue. Duh, Django. <laughs> sometimes we sometimes hey, we Django, take frisky it out. with our uh, okay, fine. I'm gonna take one out. I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say I gave it an eight. Save and, eight. and I'm also gonna hedge my bet and say I probably actually gave it a seven and a half, but I'm sticking with the eight. <laughs> Coward. That's me. It's my middle what are you name. Thinking Roman Figley. Oof, boy. I remember <laughs> I liked the art in that book, that series. Yeah. Uh I don't remember the last issue at all. Um somebody flies off. I think maybe there's a an airport. Or a landing strip. Django. Yeah, someone someone it flies doesn't off. Have to be about a out stuff. into. Um, I mean, spoilers out into space, into the sun. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I think there's really a gorgeous. Oh, like Bernie, it's a, Bernie. So Django, you're Roman. You gotta I'm, you gotta pick though. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a nine. Okay. Um, that's your final answer. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't let them hesitate too much. We gotta keep this moving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeff and Roman both gave it an eight and a half. Uh, and Django gave it an eight. So Django, you were spot on this time. You yes. fucking <laughs> You're not even. And Jeff and Roman were both point five high. Okay. So Jeff, you are still my memory two point five. It's very bad. Django has yeah. only got one, and Roman's got point five. So. Did you just say your memory's bad because you don't remember a specific score from a comic that we read like four and a half years ago? Yeah. When we read 13 comics every single week and then drink and talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You need to you need to do some brain exercises. Try right. lifting right. some brain weights. What's our next book, Domo? X-Men Grand Design number 1. That was that same episode. It was. The same episode I, as the I grab a, Oh, oh, Grand Design. I'm a, sorry. I'm thinking it's of like legacy. a good series of books that are memorable. I I keep them down. Nice. I, um, well, I want to say 10, but I just have a very wonderful memories of that night. <laughs> I think is what it was. It was a wonderful night. I didn't, I was not allowed to drive home that night. <laughs> oh, probably for the best. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. There haven't been a ton of those. No, there's not. Uh, huh. 
what are you gonna say Django I'm gonna say I gave it I don't know why I wouldn't have given it a 10 except that I have a, a chip on my shoulder about the X-Men so I'm gonna say I gave it a nine and a half <laughs> I think okay. I'm gonna say 10 and Jeff you were sticking with 10 yeah yeah I I, I want to say I gave it a 10 you absolutely gave it a 10 Roman <laughs> are you good with yeah. that Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Roman gave it a ten. Yeah. Um, Jeff and Django, you guys both gave it a nine. So, what is, why do I hate things? Why do I hate things when I think I love the thing? I thought I love the thing. I, I don't. Maybe you didn't like Ed Piscor as much at the time. I don't know how deep you were in cartoonist kayfabe. I that just long it, ago. It. Uh, well, I've always loved his art. Um, it was but, 36 pages of 40 panels per page. So that's well, minus one for I Jeff. Think what it, I think what it more is than that. Don't you gaslight. Don't you try and tell people I hate long books. Um, I'm, gaslighting I think, you. I'm trying to gaslight the computer. I had to halt. Catch fire. I think there, there is. Uh, um, I've been on different places at different times of my life about what, what a 10 is to me, like whether or not it is attainable even um you know like is it a thing that you only give out in the rarest of occasions or today you know i almost gave out a 10 on the podcast today so you know i, th I think that's probably what it is that <laughs> i'm justifying why i can't do this game <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so yeah jeff you were one too high yeah. and Django, you were 0.5 too high <sighs> it still puts jeff in the um the trunk the of, the of the rung <laughs> uh 3.5 and Roman's still in the lead with 0.5. So, okay, but I'd like to point out Go on. that if this was a contest for who has the most <clears throat> rose-colored glasses. Oh, Jay, are you trying to protect my ego? I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I was you... building up to have an excuse to call you the big wiener. Oh, no. I thought you were being compassionate for a second, and <laughs> I realized I always put my, I always set myself up for this type of Speaking of big old wieners, <laughs> thank you. What did you guys give Batman Damned number one? Oh, man. <laughs> I remember that night as well. Because it was. I, hang on. Don't say anything. I'm going to write down my guess for Jeff, my guess for Roman. Okay. I got those written down. Well, on the opposite of rosy glasses, I think there's an argument for me having given it a zero, but <laughs> I'm going to say two because I'm going to hedge my bets. You really think you would have given something a zero on the podcast? That's a uh, only Django so far. As, as far as really? I'm aware, Django is only given one What book I remember zero. about that was night? Was it Garfield? Book. No, it was that Marvel legacy cat. book that you were like, I don't, I refuse oh. to <laughs> score this. <laughs> Um, I remember getting drunk that night and needing to do a lot of editing on the conversation about Batman Damned because I was really negative about it. <laughs> but I think there was other things I hated on that week's podcast too. But you got to see Bruce's penis. I love the idea of Bruce's penis, but I hate the week that that comic came out, dude. It was yeah. so I, I just totally understand. That, yeah. that comic almost broke up Jeff and comics. Maybe it was the right. actually, you know what? Maybe it was the third issue of Batman Dan that I had the horrible grumpy week with. The third uh, issue just... was pretty. I picked up just the third issue, not even knowing about the controversy. <laughs> just like had been new in the shop at the time, and picked it up, and I was like, "This makes no sense. I don't know what's uh, going on." I. Um, anyways, gosh. Okay, uh, Django, I'm actually. I'm gonna Roman. change my score to six because I think my memory is of the third issue. Yeah. I think that's, I gave it. Fine. I think I gave it a seven. Okay. I think I gave it. Uh, man, a six. 
Holy now, shit, guys. Just as part of the metagame, I want to say that I predicted Jeff gave it a six and Roman gave it a seven. Okay. Fit that um, in your spreadsheet, motherfucker. You weren't right on either of those. Um, so <laughs> move forward. But oh, Django you. and Roman, you guys were both right on. Oh, and God. Jeff, you were only 0. 0.5 low. Okay. You gave it a six and a half. So okay. you did save yourselves from some real trouble with that. Yeah, too. yeah, I know. That would have been a real bad one. I do want you uh, after this to check the spreadsheet and see what I gave number three. I, uh, let's, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll wait till afterwards. We'll Who misses Dan Didio? Let's have a moment of silence on, on air for Dan Didio. <laughs> I, yeah, he wasn't sure how it could hold. I, I don't know what it. that was. I don't know what don't... that was. Let's go to the next book. Um, Something is Killing the Children, number one. Oh. The very first issue of that jams <clears throat> tiv. <laughs> Some, Jim's, something or other Jim's Tim Jim's Tim Jim's Tim Jim, 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 Somebody else shout their I think stuff I gave it a 7.5 and I think that uh, Jeff probably is going to choose his own <laughs> I gave it an 8 What are you doing? <laughs> I gave it an 8 I think Okay uh, I think I gave it a, a 7 Yeah sure Seven, seven. Yeah. Uh, well, Django and Jeff, this time you two nailed it. You guys yeah. are doing much better than in the past. I'm liking this. You're nailing it. Yeah. Roman, you were one low. Um, so now currently. Stupid. Which which way? Uh, low. You were one low. Uh, oh, it was okay. an eight. You pervert. Huh. You liked wow. it more than you thought you did. So as we approach huh. the end, okay. can you give us a rundown of our scores, please? Yes. Um, Jeff is in the far lowest. back. Far back uh, <laughs> with a score of four. Um, and then Django and Roman are tied at 1.5. Holy bananas. Can you get extra points if I said that too? I, I do have, just in case of tie, I have a bonus round oh, okay. set up already. So okay. if we, I have it. a contingency in place. Um, the last one we're doing, it's a weird one. Two-in-one Human Torch and Thing by Chip Zdarsky and Jim Chung. If you remember, while Reed and Sue were on Franklin and Peter, yeah, yeah, they were yeah, all yeah. off in their whatchamacallit. It was, um, I think it was the same week as Grand Design. Or Which Generation issue number? Dawn. Is it number the one? first one. First one. I think it was the same because I feel like we talked about it at Jay's house. Are you saying I read it? I believe yes, I did. you did read it. It's Chib Zdarsky. What did I give it? You can't change a, a number, a number that is Andrew. I'm consistently proud at your ability to bat Django back. It's I'm <laughs> impressed. I just want to be honest. Most people demonstrate too much unearned respect. It's been weeks and weeks and weeks of him doing this in his mind while he listens to, <laughs> listen to you. <laughs> um. I remember Roman, liking what it do, a lot. What do you What do you think? Oh, yeah, put him on the blast. Here. Oh, he always God. goes last, so <clears throat> not this I bet, time. I bet I gave it a. Oh man, it's either a nine or a ten. I'm gonna go nine. Yeah, you are. Okay. Okay. Oh, Benango. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything about this. I'm gonna say I. I like Chip Zdarsky. Like Jim Chung. I'm going to say I gave it a seven and a half because that seems really safe. Yeah. <laughs> that is a Have you met my cowardice friend? Just in That's... general. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Django. Uh, Coward. What'd you give it, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> I bet I gave it an 
8.5 because I was really excited for that book to possibly be ushering in the return of the Fantastic Four, only to be written by Dan Slott. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think we might bring up Slot on every continuity quarter possibly. <laughs> well, Andrew's uh, here. I got to get my Slot hot takes in, inadvertently. Out. Or my not, slot takes. Uh, Slot takes. Oh man, that's good. That's gonna come um, up. So none of you were right, uh, <laughs> or even kind of right. <laughs> Jeff, you were one too high. You gave it a yeah. seven point five. Oh, Not yeah. bad. Django was point five too high. Oh, I'm killing it. And Roman was point five too low. Enter so the tiebreaker. Boom! We've got a tiebreaker. Head to head, Django and Roman. I'm gonna sit this one out. Can I? Can I give a? Can I give you a suggestion for not probably not this tiebreaker because I think you don't have to listen to him. I think a future tiebreaker. It would be fun for you to tell us a list of books that we scored and then ask us what scale we did it on. Because if you remember back in the olden days, we would say like, oh, I give this one seven buttholes or whatever. That would be really difficult for you guys. Because you just pull the random jokes from either the episode or the comic (laughs) that you just are never going to remember. That's just, that would be a nightmare. No no one would win. I can't even remember what I gave comics tonight, man. This is all just kind of lanyap. That's why you write it down. Yeah, Six rutabagas. All right, so the the tiebreaker is a single question of duck duck gooey do it gooey duck. And if you both get it wrong, then I'll just ask a different question. But we're going we're going hard. So of these three issues, only one of them Roman gave a ten. Which one of the three is it? There's Silver Surfer number fourteen by Dan Slott and the All Reds. Then there's the Flintstones number twelve by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. And there's Bug number one by the All Reds. That's a really good array of yeah, books, it is. Andrew. And, well, and you're well asking selected. us both. Do we have to answer at the same time? Sure. I've one of you, one of you has to answer first. I think Django has to answer first because he might be swayed by Roman certainty since it's Roman. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Silver, yeah. Silver Surfer. I this is a trick question, and it's all of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, no, that could, I, that could I, be. I, these I, these seem tricky for a reason, but only one of them is. All right. Oh man. I loved all those all those books. I'm going to say Silver Surfer. I am also. You're you're right. Yeah. No. So we got to do a different one. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Double was... tiebreaker. Um. Okay. Donnie Slot's best. <laughs> Thanos number thirteen. Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. So Donny Cates' first Thanos issue with Cosmic Ghost Rider. The Batman Who Laughs number one by Scott Snyder and Jock. Or Time and Vine, number one. (laughs) I mean, this one doesn't count. (laughs) Which one of those three did Roman give a 10? What was the first one? (laughs) Thanos, number 13. Introduction of Cosmic Ghost Rider. It's Donny Cates' first Thanos issue. Time and Vine. I was just joking when I asked you what the first one was. I wonder. Before they put the same cover on two issues in a row. So (laughs) it was was so great. What a success! We gotta get back to that. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it's a trick question because we did so much joking about time and vine and me and everything, and I did like it, but I really like the introduction of the. See now, now, but now I'm worried. I'm overthinking it. Um, shit, time and vine. <laughs> You're both wrong. Oh, yeah, it was Batman lose. who laughs. What? What? I know. That's why it was a tricky one. Oh, what? Yeah, it was a Jimmy Tiv book. He Wait, I, I seven. To Thanos number 13 and a 6.5 to Time and Vine number one. Oh my God. And I liked Batman Who Laughs? 
And I, I know. read the rest of fucking I, Time and Vine based on a 6.5. Oh my God. Well, I hate, I hate the Batman who laughs character. I hate him. Andrew, <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. We are going to be replacing yeah. Roman next time because he <laughs> gave a Jimmy TIV Batman who laughs book a 10. A higher grade than time and fucking mind. Yeah, hey, yeah, time I, and fucking I, I, I'm mind. Shamed. Shamed. That's, that's why the nights of recording it, how good the nights were, is what makes my memory like a, a, the, the score. Because that time at Jay's house was an all time good podcast recording. And that time and vine recording was like the first time we got wine. And uh, I was it in was, New Orleans. You were gone. It was like one of the yeah. first ones without you, I feel like. Yeah. Oh. I only I only have one more tiebreaker possibility. Otherwise, it'd have to be one extra one that I'm coming up with off the bat. Okay, um, do, do the tiebreaker. But I feel like they just you know we can. They go might just it just might detect, be a t- tie. Like yeah, you can detect Roman's gooey from a mile away. Um, Doctor Strange three eighty one. Donnie Cates' first issue. Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man number one. Zodarsky and Kubert that first issue. Captain America number six ninety five. Wade Insomni, which when oh, you answer was like first, and I'm not going to answer third or first few issues of their run. Which one did I gooey? Yep, of those three. Oof, still the same game. Oh man, uh, Captain America. I'm going to say, uh, I'm in vine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it was, uh, the, the, the first one you said, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, you're both. It was Spider Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, Roman, uh, <laughs> we, need to rethink, we need to rethink the mechanics for time. <laughs> We're going to rethink no. that one. Got to find ow, a more, ow, more ow, sure ow. way. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, hey, um, shoot us an email like Will Elmer did this morning with his beautiful email. Um, Will mail. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for, uh, for editing the podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's <clears> great <throat> to have your voice on here. Roman, say goodbye to everybody. So long. It's it's been swell. It's been real. Love you all. <laughs> You'll never hear from him again. Nope. Um, <laughs> he'll just disappear from the feed forever. I'm just gonna wander out on a on a low tide in the beach, get one last gooey duck, and disappear into the water. We finally that, got to uh, brought the ship into into shore. You're showing on this uh, game show was absolutely low tide, Roman. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, you burn, baby, burn. I thought he wasn't coming back. Is he coming back? Was that a joke? I'm as always in the eye again, Jeff. I was, I was Andrew. (laughs) I'm Django. I, I was wondering you guys Roman didn't buy Roman. He He already said said it. it. You're right. You're right. What were you wondering about Django? I was wondering if you, if you could take the characters in the DC universe and have them play characters in the Marvel movies that show in the DC universe. (laughs) I hate when you do these ones. You could have just brought it back to town. Really when I do these ones, these are all like. <laughs> this is why I stopped responding to your questions because I just. <laughs> all right, I got to the end of the podcast. I was like, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. All right, which of the Goonies do you wish that Tom Hanks had played? <laughs> oh, we'll see y'all next week. I'm sorry for Django. <laughs>
right. All right. Post credit scene. Post credit oh. scene. Andrew, oh. what's your favorite book you read this week? Give you, I, you, I know you're on a bigger I, have, I actually haven't even read my books yet. All right. Well, no, but no bonus content this week then. We'll cut the, no. we won't do this part. <laughs> no, but we should no. keep this part. You're right. We should. We should show that even God kings can bleed. All people are valuable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, am I the God king? Uh, uh, we're all the God kings here, you know? Like, I, okay. I tried to set it up for a post credit scene and I failed. You didn't have a book read. Django said that stupid shit earlier about whatever <laughs> stupid shit he said. <laughs> Marvel and the DC movies. Marvel <laughs> he, universe. He falls back on that all the time. <laughs> all right, so these people were each other these and eventually... <laughs> It'll become a question in and of itself. <laughs> Is it, if you keep putting the chicken inside the egg, inside the chicken, <laughs> then they just won't know where to start. I'm going to yeah. need a bigger chicken. Also, it, it's, it doesn't matter how many chickens are in any many eggs if, as long as the question is still which came first. So you're, it's, all exactly. it's all the same question, you prick. <laughs> but he makes you have to think about it some more. So... Yeah, it's, it's a it's a you you get to fool yourself, but Django oh. doesn't have to do any other work. I'm Django, and I was wondering, Jeff, what question would you ask people, having just thought of it this very fucking second, even though you have a week <laughs> to prepare every single fucking week. <laughs> um, I, if you had to cast <laughs> any uh, Marvel or DC team entirely out of Tom Hanks' characters that he's playing. <laughs> What would, who would they be? Cast the X-Men from different Tom Hanks characters. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. All right. Uh, if the Fantastic Four is comprised exclusively of Tom Hanks roles. Thing and big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bam, that's gold, Django. Yep, yep. Uh, Finch is uh, Reed. Is it good? I don't know. He just looks like a smart scientist. <laughs> I don't. I don't know who Finch is. What it's role is up, that? It's an upcoming Apple TV movie. It's on Apple TV, it's, yeah, it's spectacular. It's, it's a post-apocalyptic castaway with a robot instead of a Wilson, and as a dog. But you can't use characters that haven't even appeared yet. It's out now, motherfucker. Just because you oh, haven't watched I thought you, it, I thought you said it was upcoming. <laughs> you did uh, say it was upcoming. Maybe that was me that said it. Oh. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I, twisting I, I, your nipples. Someone, I'm just, I'm just rising your bread. I don't like this game because I haven't even seen Castaway yet. What? <laughs> I've never seen Castaway. <laughs> so Man, all my Tom Wilson Robin! joke I said earlier didn't land. <laughs> so all my Tom Cakes characters are going to be from his 80s movies. Okay, um, Roman, we need a list of all the movies you've seen so that when we tell jokes, we can know if you're going to laugh or not. I want citations. Well, I, well, you know, since I have so much time to kill when I'm at the museum, if it's not busy, I've been I've been checking those all off on my letterbox. So just just refer to that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, got, I got an account. <laughs> uh, Will's email pertains to Tom Hanks, so I see. it's set a tone. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I know he plays just grabs, had a good Tom grabs you by the hands and just pulls you in. Tom Hanks does? <laughs> he hanks you in. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I, a Hanks job. I know he played <laughs> Scully, but I never saw the movie. I didn't either. That's a weird. Do you not love Tom Jillian Hanks? Anderson? No, I love Tom Hanks, but. <laughs> He's that. just got so many movies. How can you see them all? My favorite uh, Tom Hanks movie is Macy's and Private Monsters. Ryan. Who would who would be in? I don't know. That's just a Macy's and Monsters. Macy's and Monsters. Was Peter my... Parker and Saving Private Ryan. That would be weird. I'd take that. 